Greetings, this is Dr. Chuck McGathy from Madison's First Baptist Church. And this is the sermon for the fourth Sunday of Advent. Now, typically on the fourth Sunday of Advent, I am not preparing to do a sermon in that our choir is doing a wonderful job of providing music to inspire us for the Christmas season. However, this year, uh, we are being uh, impacted by COVID again, and our choir, many of them are sick, and I am at this moment in time not sure if we will have a choir this coming Sunday. Such is the nature of our worship these days. This so happens to be the 144th time we have done this since the pandemic began, and we are in it again. So wherever you are, I pray that you will be safe and that God will bless you and that you will keep the faith and hang on as we, as a people, continue to find a way to worship our God, to grow in our faith, and to keep on believing through what is amounting to difficult times. Those difficult times do range in many, many ways, and they affect the church uh, directly. So I want you to be in prayer for us, and as much as you can, as God will let you be supportive of our church as we go forward to continue to remind people of the hope that we have within us. I'm going to share today a passage of Scripture, but I'm going to share it at the end of the sermon. What I want you to hear is the message for this Sunday. The title of this message is A Good Word for Christmas. And I use that because Christmas uh, oftentimes gets a bad rap. It's a time of such busyness and hurriedness and demands and even depression that people begin to wonder if they even want to look forward to Christmas or look forward to getting past Christmas. But when I was a kid, it was different. When I was a kid, it seemed that Christmas Day would never arrive. My mother, who was undoubtedly on Santa's payroll, made my days of anxious waiting just a little bit more tense. She knew by heart every word to that most sobering of all Christmas songs. For those of you who cannot recall the amazing corrective powers of the lyrics of Santa Claus is coming to town, allow me to remind you. You better not. You better watch out. You better not pout. You better not cry. I'm telling you why Santa Claus is coming to town. He knows when you're asleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good, so be good for goodness sake. Oh, the song then went on to remind all little children wavering on the verge of bad behavior that indeed Santa's giving was conditional. I knew only too well that he was making a list and checking it twice. He's going to find out who's naughty or nice. And the inevitable results of being naughty were enough to cause me a great concern on Christmas Eve. For though I was fairly sure I was safely in the nice category, the days immediately prior to Christmas had been informed by my mother, 
I had been informed by my mother that Santa took the entire year into account. That being the case, I could only hope that Santa had been receiving the most recent updates on my behavior and would see that I was a changed boy. With all of this on my heart, I lay down to sleep on Christmas Eve, weighing the evidence both for and against me. I wondered if I would wake up to the sight of a tree dazzling with new toys, or would I see the dreaded switches and stocking filled with coal? Then came Christmas morning and the joyful discovery that indeed Santa graded on a curve. What a relief and thrill to discover that the jolly old elf must have thought I was a pretty good boy after all. After a while, when all of the wrappings were discarded and my father tired of the home movies, it came time for me to, in my own words, uh, it came time for me to, in his own words, why don't you go next door and see what your friends got for Christmas? Then I recalled the naughty or nice list and my friends. One door down was Bobby. I was pretty sure that if I had passed muster on Santa's list, then Bobby was going to come out all right as well. I went to his house, but before I could even knock on the door, Bobby appeared. It seemed his dad had offered the exact same suggestion to Bobby as my dad had to me, so we both wound up outside at the same time. Talk about your coincidences. And we learned from one another we had both been amply blessed beyond our wildest imaginings. Then I wondered about our friend two doors down. If there was any kid Bobby and I knew who was in store for the coal train express. It was Doug. Doug didn't seem to care a whit about the naughty or nice list. In fact, most of my naughty deeds had been accomplished with the inspiration and in collusion with Doug. When I was with Doug, I was always pushing the envelope, dirt clawed fights, playing on construction equipment after the workers had left, swinging hundreds of feet in the air over the drainage ditch hanging on a crane cable, and annoying Mr. Wong, who ran the mini-mart. These were just some of the naughty acts that Doug had led me into. I knew I was guilty for going along with all of this, but I figured surely Doug bore the heavier burden. Perhaps it was just too much for even Santa to look past. Bobby and I exchanged anxious looks as we knocked on Doug's door. Would we find our friend in sorrow, absorbing the sad news that he was not considered nice? The door opened. It was Doug's father. He stood before us, Pap's blue ribbon firmly in his hands. He looked down at us over his enormous gut. Is, door, is, is Doug here, we asked? Oh, he's outside somewhere, was all he said before closing the door. We just knew it. Our friend. Our poor friend was undoubtedly walking around somewhere dejected after being stiffed by Santa Claus. We wondered what we could do to revive the spirits of our old pal who had gone too far. Just then we heard a scream in the distance. Yahoo! It was Doug flying toward us on a brand new Schwinn Stingray. That was the bike that all the boys our age had wanted more than anything for Christmas. 
I was shocked and relieved to see that indeed Santa had visited Doug as well. I was also I also concluded that I had to make that to make the naughty list you had to pretty much to have killed somebody. Doug braked hard, causing the rear tire to skid on the driveway with a flat with a fat black mark. We were impressed. Doug looked at us and said, How was your haul, boys? When we looked puzzled, he rephrased his question to, What did you get for Christmas? Well, I'd like to return to that question today, only I'd like to rework it just a bit. Instead of asking what you got for Christmas, I'd like to ask you what you gave for Christmas. As we get older, we learn that giving is more fun than receiving during the holiday season. I mean, after so many of years of getting presents, what's left? What is really new? You may be glad to get a new sweater or a new shirt for Christmas, but you've got other clothes in your closet. In my case, I'm happy to just get about anything from anyone, even so I don't attach the same life and death importance to it like I did when I was a child. For me, it is the giving that makes Christmas fun. It's seeing the pleased shock on someone's face when you surprise them. It's the joy of giving someone you love something they dearly wanted. It is also the humor of silly gifts. My sister once gave me a canister of 200 malted milk balls when she ran out of money after buying all the other family members spectacular gifts. And I might add 200 malted milk balls would be quite a treat for me this year, but I can't take it. Thank you anyway. To this day, we laugh about it, and for many years, I could count on my traditional gift from my sister. When it comes to Christmas presents, though, most people grow up to learn that not only is it more blessed to give than receive, it's more fun. If you look hard, you might even see this spirit displayed as you shop. I said might. Even though it is crowded and hectic, you could sometimes see people really having fun talking about what to buy. Do you think she will like this? Isn't blue his favorite color? Some people, I'm told, really enjoy shopping, deciding on just the right gift for someone. My brother loves shopping. He spends hours at it, and his gifts are always delightful. As for me, well, we are the opposite, as Esau and Jacob in that area. Personally, I just soon take a beating and spend a day in a shopping mall. I try to figure out what to buy, hunt it down, and get out of the store before the lines form at the register. Either way, if you delight in the malls or you consider shopping a combat mission, it really is the giving that makes Christmas fun. You can read stories about this every year in local newspapers. One account I recall goes like this. A woman stood in line at a supermarket when she saw a very poor, ragged man just ahead. He looked like he was homeless and smelled like he hadn't had a shower in a month. He was digging in his pocket for some change so he could pay for a loaf of day-old bread and a jar of reduced-priced peanut butter. Quickly before he could exit the grocery store, she went up to him and gave him $20 worth of food. His eyes lit up as if he had just won the state lottery. He was filled with gratitude he could not express, and the woman felt good about herself. She later said it was the high-water mark of her Christmas. It was the feeling she got from giving. She further noted that many people who get so much also seem to appreciate the least. Giving really isn't is much more fun. So what did you give for Christmas this year?
It really isn't about the size or cost of the gift as much as it is about the heart of the giver. Indeed, think back on the things you have bought or made, carefully wrapped and placed under the tree for someone special. What presents were you the most anxious to see opened by the people you loved just so you could see the expression on their faces? Well, if we have this much fun giving material gifts to one another, how much more fun would we have giving spiritual gifts? Considering all the time, the effort, the money we spend giving trinkets and baubles that wither and fade, how much more rewarding would it be to give gifts that last forever? I'm speaking, of course, of spiritual gifts that we can give to one another because of our relationship with our Heavenly Father. So let me ask you, who will give the gift of forgiveness? Everybody needs it. No family, no marriage, no friendship, no human relationship of any kind can do without it. It is so easy to hurt the ones we love. Sometimes it is hardest to forgive the ones we love the most. Who will be the peacemaker when the waters of human interaction are troubled? Who will give the gift of forgiveness? Who will give the gift that heals old injuries? and stops new wounds from bleeding. Jesus Christ came to give us forgiveness so that we may give it to one another. Did you hear what I just said? Every now and then I will say something you ought to memorize, and I just did. Let me say it once again. Jesus forgave you so you can forgive others. The two go together. They cannot be separated and exist independent one from another. It is a, it is a theological both and. We hear Jesus say it to us every week when we pray, forgive us our sins as we forgive the sins of those who sin against us. How many times does he tell us we must forgive others? When asked that, Jesus said seven times 70. That does not mean we keep track and on the 491st sin we can bear a grudge. Jesus selected the number seven times 70 because every Hebrew child knew that those were considered perfect numbers representing wholeness and attainment before Almighty God. He was in fact saying, be a forgiver all the time. Jesus must have known this would be hard for us to do and to be. Still, he never backs off on this demand. Even when he is dying from the unjust, unfair, and wicked actions of sinners, he prays for them saying, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. I hope someone had the gift of forgiveness on their Christmas list this year. I've seen a lot of fine homes with many fine things. There are too many nice cars in the driveways, fine furnishings, and every possible toy for kids and adults. But I've never seen a home with too much forgiveness. What about the gift of encouragement? Who do you know that could use the gift of encouragement this year? Who doesn't need some encouragement? We all need to know that someone else is pulling for us, wishing us the best, and most important of all, praying for us. We all need someone to help us along the way when it is so easy to take people we love for granted. Who will offer a word of praise for a job well done? Who will say a word of thanks for a thoughtful gesture? Who will give the gift of being a positive and uplifting influence on someone else's life? 
Jesus came to us to encourage us. He lifts up our heads and tells us that we really can have hope because God loves us and will show us the way. Once we know that, I mean really know that God loves us and His grace will provide for us, then we can be real encouragers of others who don't know any of that. Most folks at their core feel desperately lonely and frightened. They cover it up, especially this time of year, with excessive buying, excessive partying, and excessive drinking. Nothing, however, fills the void. Only the encouragement of Christ gives, can change us. He is the one who says, rise up and walk, open your eyes and see. Come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I hope someone had the gift of encouragement on their Christmas list this year. I've seen lots of homes with too many cookies, too many hams and turkeys, too many fruitcakes, but I've never seen a home with too much encouragement. Who will offer the gift of love this year? Everyone needs love. I'm not talking about the physical love that our culture and world seems to be so obsessed over. Neither am I speaking about the romantic good feeling love we see in the movies or hear over the radio. I'm talking about deep abiding Christian love. When it's so easy just to think about yourself in this world, who will give the gift of love this year? Jesus was born to give us God's love that we may give it to one another. He said, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Continue in my love. Who will say to a parent or child or spouse or even a friend, you can count on me today and always. I'll be here for you as Christ is here for me because I love you. I hope someone had love on their Christmas list this year. I've seen a lot of homes that had entertainment of every kind. There are so many television, stereos, computers, and libraries full of fine books. They all communicate, but only you can communicate love. I've never seen a home with too much love. God's gifts like forgiveness, encouragement, and love cannot be found in any store. They can't be purchased at any price. They can only be given to others as Christ gives them to each of us. At last, I come to the scripture lesson for today. Sometimes it is best to conclude with scripture once we have had a moment to see our need. Hear the word of the prophet of the Advent speak of his deepest desire from Isaiah. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exalt in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself like a priest with a beautiful headdress, as a bride adorns herself with jewels, for as the earth brings forth its sprouts, and as the garden causes what is sown in it to sprout up, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to sprout up before all the nations. For Zion's sake, I will not keep silent. And for Jerusalem's sake, I will not be quiet until her righteousness goes forth as brightness and her salvation as a burning torch. The nations see your righteousness and all the kings your glory and you shall be called by a new name that the mouth of the Lord will give. You shall be a crown of beauty in the hand of the Lord, a royal diadem in the hand of your God. A good word for Christmas is really about ensuring that 
God is with us. It's about giving our hearts to one another. Speaking out for Christmas is not about ensuring that greeters at the store utter the words Merry Christmas instead of season's greetings. About that issue, I do not think God cares very much. What I think he really wants us to speak out for is the understanding and to express to others the hope, the reason for the hope and confidence that our God has for the entire world. For all of us, he wants to embody forgiveness, encouragement, and love. To do that is to genuinely speak out for Christmas. Christmas, the day, changed everything for everyone. God has come to dwell among us and inhabit every willing heart. Let us pray. Lord, make us cheerful givers because you have given to us so generously. The gifts of forgiveness, encouragement, and love are what we need most and most need to give at Christmas and all year through. In Jesus' name and for his sake, we receive and we give. Amen.